0: Hello everyone, welcome back to the R Squared Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Akash, you can find me at YZR underscore fantasy on Twitter.
1: And I'm Ian, and you can find me at Dynasty underscore IM on
0: Twitter. We're back here with the Week 10 recap, going over some trends, analyzing, talking Dynasty mostly, but also giving some redraft takes. So stick around, we're going to cover every single game from Week 10 and what we're noticing in each of them. Starting off with the Baltimore game against the Dolphins... Rashad bateman looks fantastic he, uh uh primetime games everyone sees him right so the hype around him has been growing and growing on keep trade cut he's uh risen over the last month to like right around where hollywood brown is and i posted a poll on twitter of who would you rather have and overwhelmingly bateman won and i was a bit surprised on that uh i was surprised it wasn't a bit more 50 50 because i think i'd actually prefer hollywood right now he has a 27 percent target share on the year 35 air yard share he's a around 18 points per game which is fantastic and even when uh bateman's been in the games hollywood sells a 29 percent target share 40 percent area yard share the opportunity hasn't changed from when bateman's played so i don't know what side do you fall on
1: yeah i saw you posted that today in drew's discord the bateman versus hollywood debate i'd take bateman by a little bit mm-hmm. just because of how close he is to a- uh, alpha status and how he started his season as an elite prospect but like I said in the Discord, I wouldn't trade either of them straight up for each other. Like yeah. if I have Hollywood, I'm not looking to get Bateman 1-1. Or if I have Bateman, I'm not looking to get Hollywood 1-1. So, I mean, that's just how close they are to me.
0: Right, that's where I'm at. I'm thinking like um, we want our players to be good enough to earn a high percentage of targets, to earn valuable targets, have high air area shares and target shares, and to produce wide receiver one numbers. Hollywood's doing that already, which is why... I'm just citing on the already producing side right now. Bateman has a 64% route participation in his first four NFL games. He has a 20% target share, which is what I said. I expect for the year, not just in the first four games, we could easily see that go up. And, um, in his first four games, he has, uh, last week he had a 25% uh, targets per out run, which is terrific. If I, and, uh, Bateman also has a 22, 21% targets per out run on the year. Whereas uh, Mark Andrews has 22% targets per run on the year. So if I had to choose like who would have more targets next year, I actually think that the pecking order goes uh, both wide receivers and then Andrews, I could easily see him being uh, third in targets, which is interesting. It could um, take some of the ceiling away if they go back to running more next year.
1: Yeah. I'm with you right there. hundred percent. I think both these wide receivers next year, probably lead in target share and, like you said, Bateman's hasn't done it like Hollywood has, but we can fully expect Bateman will be there. But then again, we like them both. Pretty much down the middle, I'll just take Bateman by a side. But anyways, looking at Miami on this side, uh, another rookie receiver, Jalen Waddle, 17.6% target share. And this game was kind of surprising in his A dot 13.8, which is pretty crazy because we've been on here talking about how Waddle's targets aren't quite as valuable or quite as earned because he's he's had a significantly low dot. But seeing this, which is actually above usually where we want to see uh, the average depth of target, but it's still a good sign. 17.6% target share, A dot. It's going to be really interesting to look at Jalen Waddle at the end of the year and kind of see how the law of averages are working for him and kind of like what the profile is going to look like as a whole after his rookie year. And then Gasicki kind of became a meme this week. Uh, He had the most targets on the Dolphins, 20.6% of them, but didn't have a single catch. So it is kind of funny how that works. And then Tua came in in kind of a weird situation where they started Brissett, but Tua was good enough to play. Brissette was healthy to come back in, and then they just stuck with Tua. So kind of a weird situation. Tua will start next week, but he came in for 13 pass attempts, 54.5 pff grade on those pff passing grade on those so not the best from tua but still resulted in a win and then as for gaskin we kind of talk well you actually brought this up was how he's that odd week guy on odd weeks he seems to go off and hopefully that's the case because he still gets good usage and he just didn't get the targets this game 5.9 percent target share this week which is much different from his 12.6 percent on the season
0: yeah the um the, uh, every other week, Gaskin thing is more of a, of a meme. I think he'll continue <laughs> next week against the Jets, continuing the meme. But really, the opportunity is there for him to be an RB V two. So if he breaks the trend because he keeps seeing usage, I won't be too upset because I'm calling it now that he's still seeing the usage. Um, the next game, the Falcons versus the Cowboys. Uh, I praised Matt Ryan and the Falcons last week and actually – uh, right as I'm feeling more and more like a Falcons fan, they come out and thoroughly disappoint me, and a lot of pain. I had to turn the game off halfway through. It didn't. It didn't matter because halfway through, uh, I was only watching red zone, and halfway through there was like no more scoring, and the offense was. Nah, neither team was uh, scoring much because the game was pretty much over. But in the game, the underlying things, Kyle Pitts will be fine. Like last couple of weeks haven't been tremendous performances. They've been okay. I mean, like. Low tight end one, high tight end two, but he has 26% target share last week. He's doing fine without Ridley, he'll be okay. For a rookie tight end, he's doing phenomenally. Um, not a lot of dynasty takeaways from this game. Pitts is still an unacquirable asset. He's still top 10 for a lot of people. Ryan's a relatively cheap QB two. Um, Patterson is at practice, so injury might not be that bad. And he's still a good buy now for contenders who want to win. Gallman's probably not it. a lot of his work, came in garbage time. So that's pretty much it.
1: Looking at Kyle Pitts, uh, we talked about when Cal, uh, Calvin Ridley went down, that every game without Calvin Ridley, is at a 20% plus target share. And this was no different. Although the fantasy output wasn't there for an outrageous week for him, he still had 25.9% of the targets and a 2.22 yards per team pass attempt that week, which is just really good. So like you said, Cal Pitts, he's already being treated as a top 10 Non super flex asset, but number one tight end asset, no question. He's kind of just showing it, especially with Ridley out. But looking at Dallas on the side of the ball, who absolutely kind of blew him out. So we had a weird game script. It was still weird to see Amari Cooper at an 11.8% target share. We know that these games. Happen for cooper because we've seen it before and he's kind of being the beta to cd's kind of alpha it's it's interesting to see him so low and it definitely hurts because there's so much vulnerability week to week when he does have target share floors like this but cd on the other hand this game 23.5 percent target share 3.03 yards per team pass attempt uh minus minus the 3.03 which is just means you are really really good that week really efficient um He's still really good on the year, 22.6%, 2.22 yards per team pass attempt, which I talked about four twos, kind of where you get two plus is kind of like that elite range. So to see this from CD, he's looking like a really, really good beta. I, I mean, he's one of those guys where I think the the overall ranking or consensus ranking on him is going to be slightly overblown, which is why it's so hard to get like CD shares, but that doesn't change that he's still really good. I just don't think he's a top three wide receiver in all of Dynasty. Um, Gallup returned this game, uh, 14.7% target shares. good to see in a return. I think we can expect around that, especially with Cooper and CD and Schultz still being like a wasteland tight end. So he's still taking up some targets. I think Gallup kind of sits around that 15 to 18 range, if I had to guess. And then uh, Pollard, we saw 20.6% target share. It's likely more because of the game script, we saw him and Ezekiel take on more of an even um, op share. It was 41.9% for Pollard, 39.5% for Zeke, which usually it's a lot more 60-30 for the two of them, leaning Zeke side, but I'm sure the game script had a lot to do with this
0: one. Yeah, for CD, it's always, he's continuously been a top three dynasty wide receiver on keep trade cut for like the last half a year. And I'm always going to, I'll probably always take A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf over him, as well as the consensus chase and uh, Jefferson. So I'm not going to end up with a lot of him, but he's still a really good uh, player. Yeah. Next game, the Saints versus the Titans. Trick one Smith ran the most routes with Callaway just behind him. Uh, I tweeted this before we start recording that the Saints are the Lions of the South and they have a bunch of jag wide receivers and sometimes one leads in target share sometimes it's another and can't really chase the they're all it's just devoid of talent in that receiving core so you can't really chase anything uh troutman has a 17 percent target share over the last three weeks uh but only 58 percent are participation this week it's there's a deeper league stash i know people had some good expectations for him coming into the year uh mostly because of vacated targets but we won't talk about that but he's been seeing an okay opportunity and it, he's a deeper league stash uh so i think he's more of a blocking tight end and once they add if they add more weapons he won't have much value ingrams and rb2 if kamara misses more time he had 60% route participation and a 20% target share the receiving work is gonna help him a lot because he's pretty inefficient as a rusher right now in his age of like 31 or something.
1: Yeah it's definitely an interesting game and I do like the point you brought up that the Saints are the the Lions of the South and I'll raise you that they're Lions of the South with a slightly better quarterback but all just aside Simeon hasn't been too bad uh, 76.7 and 76.1 PFF passing grade in the two weeks that he started. I mean it's definitely fine he's he's just a jag but those are also not bad numbers to have for a Jag, so it's better than what Goff did this last weekend. But anyways, Titans, after Henry went down, we've kind of seen a weird situation with the running backs, as we'd expect. I mean, this last week, Foreman, 43.3% of the Ops, 7.4% target share. Peterson, 30% of the Ops, 3.7% of the targets. And McNichols, 23.3% of the Ops, 11.1% of the targets. I think what we're seeing from McNichols is kind of a role that we've seen for most of the year where he's never going to take many rush attempts at all, but we'll see him heavily used in the passing game, and this was no different. He was hardly used in in the rushing game in comparison to Foreman and Peterson, but he's also the one that's getting the targets, which we know are very valuable out of the backfield. So I'd say if there's one that I'm not very interested in at all, it's Adrian Peterson. He's likely to get the goal line work just because that's how Adrian Peterson's been. And everywhere that he's gone, he's vultured uh, touchdowns. I don't think that changes. But Foreman right now, uh, 43.3% of the ops led the team. And I think him and McNichols are kind of guys that if you need streamers or you're looking on waivers, are kind of the two guys because McNichols gets targets. And it's kind of looking like Foreman who is a lot younger than Adrian Peterson's taking majority of the rushing work. So that's, that's good to see. And then the also part with Henry out is the pass attempts per game where we kind of expected, or not expected, but hoped, definitely didn't expect because the Titans have been doing this for years. But with Henry out, we hoped that their passing volume would increase. But in the two games that they haven't had him, just 27 pass attempts per game, which is just so low. I mean, even the first... Uh, with him or 32.8 per game which I mean that's probably where there be I just it probably is not changing just because Henry's out so as much as we wanted the passing volume to go up to benefit guys like A.J. Brown Ryan Tannehill it's likely just not happening because that's just the structure of their system and now in the last two weeks we've seen that that's really unlikely to take up
0: yeah uh I'm I like A.J. Brown and I'm a big uh proponer of Front kind of a uh, situation changes and that's why you just buy good players and Adrian Brown's clearly a good player but the points that the points are true that the Titans are a team that's been run first for so long since like last decade so it's, it's tough I, I could definitely see it changing it's all about personnel if they get a really good QB and move on from Tannehill in like a year or two or something I don't know what's going to happen it's definitely possible it could change but uh, you don't want to bet on it, and that's what's, and that's what uh, Brown's price has probably always be low. Wide receiver one, even with the low volume, just because that's his production, but um, the ceiling is not going to be there as much as it is for guys like uh, guys like Chase and Jefferson um, and DK. So
1: yeah, and as much as we don't see the passing. Uh, volume taking up, AJ Brown's still a top five dynasty receiver just because of the points throws I was nailing about the talent over situation because, you know, if it's AJ Brown going somewhere, maybe there's a new philosophy then you just traded talent that's a perennial top five asset for just because of the situation that's ever-changing unlike talent.
0: Yeah, even if he doesn't, even if the situation doesn't change and even if the production doesn't reach top five like his value is, People are always gonna hold on to the same things of, he's a really talented player and we'll just bet on the talent over his situation. That's why he'll maintain the value, even if the production isn't always elite. Uh, now, the uh, next game, the Jaguars against the Colts. Uh, LaVisca Chenault led the team in targets and has a 22% target share, but it only resulted in like three catches for 15 yards, which is, which is tough. He has an 18% target share on the season. Low dot is a guy that some people are really souring on. I really liked him in my rookie season comps, and I don't see any reason that you should pivot off of unless you can get like unless you can train for a guy like Michael Thomas, who's like in a similar range, also has a price uh, d- depreciated. But it, I don't know. He's a guy that at this point I'm just holding because I think we we have an idea that he's a talented player. He's just um, one. He's on a really bad offense. Two. His QB is not playing amazingly. And three, uh, we have an inkling that the Urban Meyer system is not a very good one in the NFL. This is not working at all. So Leviticus-Chenault's value is probably close to a floor, and I would just hold right now. Uh, one guy who is relevant for fantasy football in that offense is uh, one receiver. I think the only receiver who is relevant right now for fantasy football is Dan Arnold, surprisingly, who has a 20% target share, 81% route participation last week. He got traded uh, two days before week four, Thursday Night Football. And obviously, when you're on a team for only two days, you're not going to be able to learn the playbook and everything. He only had 39% route participation in that one game. But since then, in weeks five to 10, he has 74% route participation and a 20% target share. That is mid-tight end one numbers. And he's priced at like tight end 20 right now. I'll keep your cut. So if you believe that this continues, which... I really don't see any reason why I shouldn't. He's been doing this for a few weeks now. I don't I don't know. If you really, really need a tight end, you can float a third and see what happens because there's not a lot of other options at tight end. Uh, Marvin Jones has under 20% target share in all but three games this year. He's a veteran. He's 31 years old. He's not producing much of anything for your team, which moves him into, well, uh, let's move on. This guy probably may not be fantasy relevant anymore. He might be, but at this point, the, uh, If he goes to a new team next year maybe but right now it's he's on a bad offense not commanding targets and not doing much for fantasy and i'm not panicking on trevor lawrence same way i'm not panicking on any other rookie qb that isn't performing well
1: yeah i'm definitely not panicking on trevor lawrence but looking at the side that won here uh jonathan taylor 82.9 percent of the ops 24.2 percent target share which led the team is just crazy volume and something we love to see And another part of that is that it didn't exactly, we didn't see Hines' role exactly shrink. I mean, that game, 17.1% of the ops, good for 12.1% target share. On the year, he's a 25.9% ops, 12% of the target share. So we really didn't sacrifice much with Hines at all. We just didn't really see, well, not really, we just didn't see any other running backs besides those two. And JT just carried the load without cutting into the seasonal work that Hines has been getting. So really, really good to see for JT. Tides may be turning a little bit more because we talked about how good his usage was already. I mean, especially of his talent, a 60% ops, 10% target share, he's going to explode with that. But just seeing how insane this last week was, and it's never going to be like this all the time or anything like that, but seeing how much he's being used is something we absolutely love to see. As for Wentz, His rookie PFF pass grade, 68.3. Year 6, we're looking at 68.1. So when they said that Frank Reich was going to reborn Carson Wentz, they really weren't kidding because they did reborn him to play exactly like he did his rookie year, which, that being said, his rookie year was better than last season. So it's an improvement from last season, but it's looking exactly like his rookie season. So just really interesting from there. So he really did get reborn, and then, uh, Michael Pittman Jr., twenty-three point four percent target share on the year, and the next closest on Indianapolis is sixteen percent. So Michael Porter Jr. still dominating that the all, basically most of the target uh, work that the receivers are getting.
0: Yeah, Pittman is uh he's performing well. I do think that he's slightly um overvalued on keep trade cut, but I can say that about a lot of receivers in his tier because from like ten to twenty it shifts every week and every day and just i just make uh tweets about it all the time because uh one guy will shift ahead of another and i will scream uh you should sell one guy for another when in reality they're pretty much equal value uh one thing for jt and Hines, i believe on the season jonathan taylor has more routes run than Naeim Hines, which is terrific for uh implications on the receiving game if they want to use him more like a receiver we can see higher ceiling i still don't think that he'll ever reach like legendary production of what we've seen from mccaffrey and saquon and camara but he definitely has uh, a ceiling of like 22 23 points per game which is fantastic he'll be he's the dynasty rb1 uh for a lot of people right now i still like christian mccaffrey a lot more not a lot more i still like christian mccaffrey more because he is providing you with 25 points per game every time he steps on the field. I don't buy into injury narratives. He's still only 25 years old, but Jonathan Taylor is going to be an elite asset for the next four or five years. It would seem.
1: Yeah, and just hit on that Michael Pittman one more time. Sell Michael Pittman Jr. for Dion- DJ Moore.
0: I was just saying that, yeah, because they're in that same range, right? And their value. Yeah, I think
1: they're like back to back,
0: right? That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I saw someone the other day tri do that exact same trade, and he said, um, "I was looking to uh, win now, and Pittman has higher points per game, so I did that trade. And even though one's uh he's younger, he's still producing more. And I'm and I'm thinking, well, I like Moore's peripherals a bit more, but the situation is a bit weird in Carolina. But Cam Newton may fix that, hopefully. Next game, the Browns against the. Patriots um Anthony Schwartz left the game with a concussion and without him they only really had two viable wide receivers Landry and Donovan Peoples-Jones ran almost 90% of the routes um last week when Schwartz was healthy there was more of a split between him and Donovan Peoples-Jones for that wide receiver two role but it's a role that's not very helpful because uh it's a low volume offense, and we'll see what happens with them going forward. But they're both just stashes for right now. And I've seen Donovan Peoples Jones creep up and up, to like the uh, in keep, keep trade cut into like the wide, low wide receiver 50s. And if you can trade them for a more stable asset, I don't know who's falling down there, but like, I don't know, Michael Thomas is low, and Juju Smith Schuster, DJ Chart, a lot of these guys will miss, miss time and have their values fall uh, as a result of that but guys who are proven producers, I think you can make that trade because I don't know if people's Jones is not a very stable asset. Yeah,
1: I'm with you on that. And just to hit on the Browns a little bit more, I kind of delve into the Baker Mayfield profile just a little bit because we saw some weird where in Week 9, 87.7 PFF pass grade best of the season. And then in week 10, it was 34.1, which is the absolute worst of the season. We've just seen this hot and cold Baker. So I went back through his four years. In year one, 79.9 PFF pass grade, 7.7% big throw, uh, big-time throw percentage, and then 3.1% turnover-worthy play, which is pretty low. It's pretty good. And then all those other years, he took a step back in year two. We're at 72.4 PFF, 5% big-time throw percentage, and 3.7% turnover-worthy play. So going into year two, we saw his big-time throws go down and his turnover-worthy plays go up. Then he improved in year three from that, but he still just was just like his rookie year. And now we're looking at year four, 70.9 PFF pass grade. That's his lowest of the four years, 5.4% big-time throw percentage, that's the second lowest of his four years. And then 3% turnover-worthy play, which is part of the reason why we like him. It's right around where he, he's been his whole career. So Baker Mayfield's kind of like a plateau, if, if that makes sense. Just he's what? It, he's a plateau player where from year one to year four, we just haven't seen drastic improvements or we haven't seen drastic uh, step backs.
0: He's just
1: – he's been who he's been. We haven't – from year one, seeing what we saw, with his bit, he had a lot of big-time throws. He kept the ball away from the other team's hands, and he was pretty good, according to PFF. And then looking at this year, I mean, his big-time throws are a little bit down from that, about 2%, but he's still the Baker that we saw in the rookie year. So kind of a weird, I don't know, you expect improvement from your quarterbacks, especially from year one to year four, but...
0: All of it kind of looks the same for Baker. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of uh, player that fantasy football uh, people hate, ones that have just been uh, mediocre production for the first four years and they didn't see the improvement. It's why everyone uh, suddenly went from ranking Juju Schuster as a top five wide receiver to a wide receiver 50. But um, I still think that he is a buy if people keep hating yeah. on him.
1: And I don't. I think he's a buy as well because he's yeah. getting really low. He's definitely not the twenty fifth best quarterback in fantasy, but it's yeah. just because his rookie season was actually quite good. Mm-hmm. But he just hasn't improved to like great. Where you have a really good year one like that, you you kind of are hoping for the great uh, ascension. But we've yeah. just seen him stay good. I would I would call it
0: good. He hasn't,
1: season, he hasn't been bad.
0: Mm-hmm. It was similar to. Uh, like Herbert and Burrow, in terms of those, in terms of those metrics that we care about, like PFF passing grade. Yeah, I've looked at, I haven't compared them specifically, but they're close. Like in, like completion percentage of our expected EPA per play, they're all similar. But they, those two took their sophomore leaps, and that's why they're currently top six or top eight dynasty QBs. Whereas Baker isn't, but I still believe that he's a good player, and the situation is obviously not very conducive to uh, fantasy production, which is why I'll buy. If people are turned off by that. Because Another talent versus situation where we're just taking right. the talent. Exactly, exactly. And then in two years, when Chubb is 27 or 28, like, what's the system going to be like? Because What's the coaching going to look like? We have no idea how to predict that. But we can predict that Baker Mayfield is probably still going to be in the league and he'll probably still be good at football. So that's the kind of players that we will buy.
1: Yeah, and especially when they're that low in value at like QB 25 is where I last saw him. That's, yeah. He's better than that. But anyways, looking at New England, speaking of quarterbacks, Mac Jones has been great. Mm-hmm. 84.8 PFF pass, great on the season. 2.4% turnover where they play, which is really low. So he's been really good. But the thing is we're seeing him at QB 27. And part of that, his 7.88 dot isn't terrible. It's a little on the low side, but it's not terrible. He's not making big-time throws as much as we'd like to see. But he's keeping the ball out of the other team's hands. But the under two uh, rush attempts per game was kind of the big spot because with so many Konami code quarterbacks these days, you can be as great in the pocket as you want. But like Mac Jones, he's been really, really good from the pocket, especially as a rookie. But he's still QB 27 on the year. And we know – I posted this on Twitter today. We know Trevor Lawrence has been quite bad. He has not been good. He's only five spots in points per game behind Mac Jones. So – that kind of says something to the ceiling or, yeah, the ceiling of Mac Jones that it's limited because, as of right now, he's not exactly making these big-time throws down the field, and he's not rushing, which we know how important that can be to uh, the quarterbacks, especially with how many Konami code quarterbacks there are. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson in this game, 62.5% of the ops, 20% target share. Um, I see he's a riser, but I think we just need to hit the brakes a little bit with Ramondre because... It wasn't exactly a good prospect coming into the league, and we know that Damian Harris is going to be back next week. He's someone who constantly eats the ops. And the encouraging part was that we saw Ramondre Stevenson eat a lot of targets, which is something we don't usually see out of New England backs, minus the ones that specialize in it. But that didn't mean that Brandon Bolden didn't continue to be someone who catches passes out of the backfield. We saw him 12% target share, which since James White – went down is about where he's been. So he we didn't sacrifice Bolden's role as a pass catching back. But, yeah, I think we should probably pump the brakes a little bit with Ramondre, at least how I've seen him rise on keep trade cut. But just keep that in mind that he is coming back, and at least in Bill Belichick's tenure, he doesn't like to give crazy high up shares to really any running back. So a 60% up share for Ramondre, definitely not holding. So I see a lot of people honestly trading like Jacoby plus a late second or something for him. Just don't do that. Would rather have Jacoby. And then speaking of Jacoby first touchdown this week. So I know you're stoked about that. It's been insanely long for how productive he's been, but it finally happened.
0: Very excited. Yeah. For Ramondre, um, I'd sell for an early 22 second. That's about where his value is right now. And I'd sell for that. If you can trade, uh, these backup or committee RBs. I don't know what the backfield split's going to look like when Damian Harris is back, but it's certainly not going to look like where Stevenson is a workhorse. So at best for him, it's a committee where he sees some receiving work and at worst he goes back to being a backup who sees some receiving work. But if you can sell that for an, uh, an early second in 2022, which looks to be not as not an t- amazing class, but it'll be pretty good. Like um, Imagine trading him for a guy like Elijah Moore in that tier or that kind of prospect, right? Like uh from what I can tell from the Debbie community, it's looking like that range if they get draft capital, uh, Wandale Robinson or David Bell. So that's something I'd be interested in doing because both those guys profile well. David Bell has tremendous upside and and I love him, but he's going in the early second of Superflex mocks right now. And if you can make a trade like that, that's something you should absolutely do. Um for Mac Jones, I was writing about this because I uh, I've seen a lot of discourse about his upside or his price. Um, He's playing really well. He has a 84.8 PFF passing grade, which is terrific. It's better than Herbert's rookie year, better than Burroughs rookie year, Kyler Baker. It's better than all those guys. Um, And we say, look, he's obviously playing well. We don't like the lack of rushing. We don't like that. He doesn't make big time throws or have a high a dot, but he is a good player and uh, a price between QB 13, 16. It's been, fluctuating over the last uh, few days that's not horrible maybe there's a couple of QBs that you'd rather have but compared to other positions in Superflex that's where there's a bit of a problem because QBs and Superflex are always uh, always have their value pumped up a lot because they're very valuable but for a guy with less upside like Mac Jones and you could possibly if you want to trade a QB for a non-QB you could possibly pivot uh, to a player that has more upside like Mac Jones right now his value in Superflex is in like the fourth or fifth round. So there's good RBs going there. There's good wide receivers going there. For the next game, the Bills against the Jets. Uh, Breda had just eight snaps, uh, but ran two less routes than Singletary. Moss saw no routes, similar opportunity share. I really just think that this mess, the three-way split this week, was due to Moss not clearing concussion protocol till late in the week. So... They had to prepare for a little bit of the game. Like they had to prepare for the game without him, but then he came back, so they worked in some place for him. But I, I think it'll go back to being a two-way split next week. Diggs, back to the leader in route participation. This is a team where uh, Diggs obviously sees a good target share. It's not as high as it was last year when he was a top three wide receiver, but it's pretty good. It's And they're obviously the, they're a really pass-happy team. They're right now their first in neutral pass frequency, which is terrific. Um... Gabe Davis flashed a couple of long plays. Not much. If if someone wants to buy him for like two-thirds something, take it. Not a lot of comments on Buffalo. It's just Allen to Diggs, and that's what you want to have. Yeah, it was really great to see.
1: 46.4% target share for Diggs. I mean, absolutely love to see it. But looking at the Jets' target share, we saw on the season now Elijah Moore with a 14.3%. And I might bring this up every week how he's just on track. He's, he's being a productively good rookie beta, which is exactly what his profile says he is. And we also know that rookies kind of turn it on at the back half of the year compared to the first half of the year, and that's exactly what he's doing. So he is exactly on track. Like if there was a course that all good prospect rookie betas follow, Elijah Moore is just on that line just every single week. He's just on track, so there's no point to overreact to any of that. He is exactly who we're projecting him to be. Um, Looking at the quarterbacks for the Jets, Mike White this week, 8% turnover worthy plays, 48.1 PFF passing grade in Week 10, which gives him a 51.4 on the season, which if we're wondering what Zach Wilson, rookie quarterback who is in the first half of his first season, has a 56.7 on the season. So maybe now we've kind of given up on that Mike White is the guy and Zach Wilson is not for as crazy as that week or two was. At least now we can finally put it to rest. And then looking at the running backs, uh, they were still heavily involved. Mike White's eight out wasn't insanely low like it was when Carter went off, but 56.4% ops for Carter, 13% target share, which, again, that's pretty good usage. And then Ty Johnson, he was 25.6% of the ops, but 17.4% of the targets. So he was heavily used in the past game. But I mean, this is much closer to kind of what where we want the running backs at or expect them to be at. Carter's target share is probably around like 10 to 12 with a 50 to 60% ops, which is pretty good, especially for someone with his profile. So the Jets are on track.
0: Yeah, um, Carter has 29 targets in the only three games where Mike White has led the team in past attempts, including the ones where the one where he came in early for Zach Wilson getting hurt and not counting the one where he left early. For you uh, nerds who like math, counting at home, that's just shy of 10 uh, targets per game with Mike White, which is an absolutely insane figure. He has 16 targets in the six games without Mike White, uh, which is just shy of three per game. And for uh, those of you who look at stats or know basic football or watch the game it's very clear that mike white should not be the guy going forward as long as wilson's healthy he'll be starting as mike white's absolutely horrible he's a check down charlie who can barely muster a positive completion percentage over expected so i'm fine with uh not expect i, I would not expect this kind of usage for carter going forward i would expect more of okay passing work like an eight percent target share which is decent but um uh, i'm i would still sell him for a workhorse like Leonard Fournette, or wide receivers in his range like Ridley, Sutton, Michael Thomas. I'm talking about Michael Thomas a lot on this podcast today. You should go out and buy Michael Thomas because his price is ridiculously low for the kind of upside that he has, and the upside that he's shown every single year being in the NFL. Anyways, sell Michael Carter, uh, buy Michael Thomas. Don't get your Michaels confused, but that's the order you should do it. Yes. Yes, the next game, uh, Detroit against the Steelers, the absolutely horrible to watch tie game. Uh, Something good, though, that Swift had 33 carries after some people say that he can't uh, carry a load. He absolutely can. Hopefully, there's only one game, but I hope it quiets some of those people. 33 carries plus a 25% target share, which is something that I absolutely love to see. But he had both of his touchdowns snipe, which hurts for fantasy, but the opportunity, I love it. I love the opportunity. Hawkinson obviously had a bad game goose egg had one target zero catches not a great game for him but hopefully he bounced back he's not uh, jumping into the elite uh range that people are expected coming into the year but he's a fine uh he's a fine high high tight end one high not in production but in the fact that he'll probably finish top five uh raymond and amal ross and brown both had 25% target shares. Uh, just like the Saints, who are their brothers in the South. This is a team where the water, leading wide receiver flips almost every single week, it seems. And you just have to, uh, you can throw darts at one of them, but don't expect much. And a uh, hard hitting take that I wrote here in my notes: golf is bad. Yeah, I think that's a fair. I think that's fair.
1: That's bold. That's <laughs> very bold. But uh, Pittsburgh, uh, the better quarterback in this was Mason Rudolph. Uh, sixty-seven point seven pff pass grade, which isn't exactly great, but it's better than Goff's forty-three point three, and it's actually the third best of Ben Roethlisberger's uh, twenty-twenty-one season. So he was he was decent, especially for Pittsburgh, who hasn't really had very good quarterback production. But it was weird to see someone like Ray Ray McLeod twenty-four point five percent target share eating about a fourth of the targets this last game, 1.26 yards per team pass attempt, good for 15.3 uh, PPR. So it's it very interesting to see, but with Mason Rudolph, I guess it's not too out of the question. He pr- probably works with them a good amount in practice, just not taking the one reps. But that didn't stop from Deontay Johnson and Najee from getting their usual usage. Najee's target share this week, 8.2%. It's a little bit under where we've seen him this season, but for Deontay, 26.5%. It's exactly, I mean, I guess it's a little down from where we see him just because he's been getting a lot of targets. But yeah, we've seen Deontay uh, Johnson and Najee Harris with Mason Rudolph now, and they still get the same usage, just wasn't as good of an offense. And then Pat Fryermuth, it was very encouraging to see an 18.4% target share from him because Ebron was back. And that's something that in these weeks where his value's gone up and people have seen the hype and he's getting a good amount of targets, it was just really good to see because Ebron was finally back and it was going to be interesting to see if they still uh, targeted Pap Fryermouth frequently, and they, they did.
0: Yeah, he's uh, shaping up to have a good rookie season. I, I know he started a bit slow, but I think if he continues this, he could slide into the low tight end one range, which means I guess technically uh, he'd be the f- – first uh, rookie tight end one uh since i guess technically it'd be since kyle pitts but if you're counting them if if they're saying they finish the season at the exact same time then he'll be the first rookie tight end one since evan ingram which is pretty good ingram had a good rookie season and then before ingram it was rob gronkowski was a low tight end one in his rookie season so it's good um it's a good rookie season for pat fryer mood so far definitely liking what i'm seeing uh next game the Bucks against the Washington football team. Somehow Taylor Heineke always has Tom Brady's number and the Bucks number and always manages to perform against him. But the Tampa Bay side, even in the negative game script, which we had previously seen Giovanni Bernard get more work in, even though it was that Leonard Fournette was the receiving back, he had uh 27% target share and 83% of the opportunities. This is still a very, very cheap workhorse, which is absolutely amazing. He's uh, only 26 years old, not like he's washed or anything. He could still have a few more years of usable production and even very cheap workhorse production, like we say every single week. Evans had a nine percent target share, but scored on a long touchdown for the second week in a row, which is fine. I wouldn't overly panic. Um, His weekly ceiling is really high. I think in Dynasty, just looking at looking at what he's done, he always produces like a wide receiver one or two. Like he'll probably end the season as a wide receiver. One or a uh, high wide receiver too, but the target share just isn't the same as the as earlier in his career when he was commanding like a 26 or 27% target share. It's been uh, like around 20 in the last couple of years, which is not too concerning. But maybe you can move him if you can, just because the offense is so efficient and so uh, high volume that it's inflating his production. But he still has a really high weekly ceiling. Ronald Jones had absolutely zero usage, which sucks because, I don't know, I want to see him succeed or do anything, but he's really not. He's really just a play for next year. Hopefully he goes to a better situation and gets some usage, but it's looking rough right now. And Tyler Johnson, a deep stash when, while Antonio Brown is out. He had a 15% target share. From what I can tell, uh, what I've seen physical therapists talk about, there was a post on uh, Doctors' Instagram talking about something that no one's really covered. Uh, I forget the exact type of injury it was, but it was similar to what Michael Thomas had at the end of 2020 that kept him out for the end of the year. And he said that uh, someone said that they'd expect him to be back week 13 or 14. So you still got a bit of time while you, that you have to wait for Antonio Brown to come back. But when Antonio Brown comes back, he'll be a uh, probably a wide receiver one or high wide receiver two.
1: Yeah, it's Will's up for A.B. When he comes back, I definitely agree with you. And I also agree with you about Leonard Fournette. Like, he's someone that I just have been continually buying. Just basically every week of the season, he's been a buy because he's someone who's on a really good offense, who dominates like a ton of the usage, and he gets a very good amount of the targets, especially last week, 27.3% of the targets. And being the target leader is just pretty insane. But it's the exact reason that you should be buying Fournette or should have bought Fournette because... He's not being treated like a 26-year-old workhorse on a really good offense, according to Keep Trade Cut. He's continually outside the top 25. I don't. Every week I've checked, I don't think I've seen him inside the top 25. So he's still a buy for me because he's a 26-year-old workhorse on a really, really good offense. So I'm just going to keep hammering that home. But as for Washington, who actually did win this game, it looks like Fitzpatrick's out for the season, at least according to a report that I saw, which kind of sucks for a guy like, Terry McLaurin, who we were hoping would finally get a quarterback because we know how good he's been to start his career. Um, Every game, I mean, even just this game, 25% target share, 1.84 yards per team pass attempt. I mean, that's not great, but it's actually low-end numbers for what McLaurin's been producing. He's got like a 28% target share on the year. He's someone who just is consistently earning targets, doing a lot of targets with just really bad situation, really bad quarterbacking and Heineke looking like he'll probably start the rest of the season is someone who's just like the rest. He's not very good in passing. I mean, 32 out of 36 eligible quarterbacks in PFF pass grades just really not good, and it kind of sucks because it's not really what we wanted for McLaurin. But looking at the backfield, Gibson this game fell in the end zone twice, which helped his fantasy output. 70.3% of the ops is really good, but the 6.3% target share is just – it limits the ceiling because there's a guy like McKissick who has sixteen point two percent of ops in week ten and he still comes with twice as many targets, twelve point five percent targets uh, share as Gibson does despite seeing incredibly less opportunities. So that's it's kind of the thing with Gibson. He fell in the end zone twice, great fantasy production, but that lying in the the target numbers and the receiving numbers that are ever so important to being a top running back, like many people that drafted Gibson are expecting or hoping for just isn't going to happen because that's what McKissick's doing.
0: Yeah. I saw, I believe that Gibson only had three less routes than JD McKissick and his most carries, I believe of his career, if not the season. Uh, so that's good. He just looks back. And if he's running almost as many routes as JD McKissick, hopefully we see the target numbers go up. Uh, obviously JD McKissick's a good receiver, but Who knows, like like we see in Indianapolis, you can have two receiving backs, especially when you only have one viable wide receiver, but Kimson is just not doing it right now. I I, I was looking at the 26 year old workhorses and obviously you have, so you have Alvin Kamara at keep trick up RB5. He's 26 and relative workhorse. He is an RB1. You have um, Dalvin Cook, obviously. Uh, Austin Eckler is being a bit more like a workhorse. He obviously makes his money in the receiving game a lot, but he's seeing more uh, rushing opportunity than he has in any season of his career. Ezekiel Elliott, RB13 right now. Aaron Jones falling a bit because of injury. He's RB16, still 49th overall, so he's going like the 4th or 5th round. And then all the way down, 100th overall, RB29. You have Leonard Fournette below guys like Cream Hunt damien harris uh michael carter it's just insane like this is such a depreciated price like just go
1: buy leonard Fournette. thanks Slater.
0: yeah i agree i agree with that uh the yeah he has tremendous uh rushing upside and receiving upside making a workhorse speaking of tremendous upside uh carolina has the rb with the highest upside in all of football uh, rest of the season, CMC is my RB1 and my Dynasty RB1. He had 31% target share uh, this week. 26 fantasy points without a touchdown is absolutely insane. And this is the second time he's had over uh, 25 fantasy points without a touchdown. And I, here's a stat that I uh, figured out myself the other day. Every single week that he has more than 50% of the snaps, he has a top five finish every single week since December of 2019 which is absolutely insane.
1: I was not aware of that stat. That is pretty insane. And actually, it shouldn't surprise me as much as it does mm-hmm. because we've already talked about how much of a cheat code he is, but yeah. that's that's a pretty insane stat right there. If he plays a healthy game, you're basically guaranteed a top five running back on the
0: yeah, He hasn't had below, like, I, I don't know if it's 20 or if it's like 15, but he hasn't had below that since week two of 2019. It's absolutely insane.
1: Yeah, I mean, just just to hit on how insane it is, like how good he is, because we talked about it a fair amount, but people kind of forgot or were worried or put the injury-prone label on him, and we did see his value fall to like RB4, RB5 Mm consensus-wise, and that was enough to mark him as a buy for me. When, When someone like Christian McCaffrey goes below RB3, I mean, you should be sending out an offer to get him because that means he went from untouchable to someone who you can get
0: yeah absolutely his value was consistently at um at a uh, 999 in one qb on Keep credit cut which is the highest it could be and then it suddenly dipped i'm like all right that's an easy easy buy um uh, for anyone who wants elite production irreplaceable production um but yeah there's other players on the panthers even though sometimes it doesn't seem like that with the team <laughs> just running through christian mccaffrey cam newton has tremendous upside he'll be the starter for the panthers going forward um sam darnold isn't healthy right now but i believe that even when he is healthy i think Cam's still a better quarterback we saw him score two touchdowns even though he didn't barely play he came in for some goal line packages scored a rushing touchdown a passing touchdown he can have uh, top 12 upside this year which makes him a buy for anyone in dynasty who wants Even if you just want to gain value, you can send a third or a couple thirds and super flex and see what happens because there is upside. DJ Moore still a buy on the season. He has a 28% target share. Um, Terrace Marshall looking like he's going to have like a Brian Edwards, better than Brian Edwards, but still very bad rookie season with like a 9% target share, which just sucks to see. Hopefully we see him do anything. But right now he's definitely on a track to face planning, but there's still... Definitely upside there. I'm not gonna give up on him until the season ends, pretty much. Like I'm not gonna say he is a face planner until he actually face plans.
1: Yeah, especially with rookies. Just give it the whole season. And yeah. I mean it's pretty obvious that Terrace Marshall Jr. is really looking like a face planner, but yeah. there's still a- have we still have seven weeks left of the season. So yeah. Just just be patient. He's still a rookie and his value, he has not been doing good at all if in the last seven weeks he does what he's been doing, or maybe even slightly better in face plants, he's someone that we could sell for the same price, really likely now that we could then.
0: Oh yeah. So, like, I sense. remember last year, uh, LaVisca Until up until this point, he was also doing really poorly. He barely produced at all. And then in the last two weeks, he had like three touchdowns over the last two weeks and like uh, over a hundred yards combined in the last two weeks i forget the exact stats but it really only takes a few plays to make you from probably a face planner to not face planting so yeah have patience because it, it takes flashes this is why adp trends work because it's based off of expectations
1: yeah exactly and then just to hit on one more point you out of carolina on the cam thing he was qb 16 in week 10 and he only took nine snaps i mean that's yeah. that just shows his upside right there that's right.
0: that's pretty insane, but if you extrapolate that on points per snap basis, he's <laughs> the QB one.
1: Yeah, if we just um, go against our,
0: if we go against all logic and yeah. want to make him look really good, we can do that with ease.
1: Yeah, if we go against our analytic morals and just extrapolate this across an entire season of full snaps, um, he's likely the QB one in all right, four. Right, yeah.
0: it goes every every QB ever, Cam Newton. Yes, homes twenty eighteen, but. Cam Newton extrapolated
1: from his nine snaps he took in 2021, go. But looking at Arizona here, uh, now that's two weeks without Hopkins and Murray, but two weeks without Hopkins means that Kirk in that time is putting up a 25.5% target share. He's, I mean, with Hopkins out, he's really been the alpha for Arizona, and although the offense as a whole doesn't look great, Kirk is someone who's a free agent at the end of the year and – Someone who, if you haven't bought in the offseason, he's still someone you have time to buy because his price tag really isn't all that expensive right now. So if you can get him for mid to late too, I mean, I, I'd love it. Even even a slightly early too, I don't mind because he's looking like a really good beta receiver, which is something you'd love to have at the beginning of the second round. But looking at these running backs, uh, Connor saw 63.6% of the ops, 13.8% of the targets which he didn't have great fantasy output uh one that we would expect especially after the week before but that's really good usage and as long as um edmonds is going to be out for a little bit we can continue to see lines like this from connor where he's getting really good usage and especially if murray's back this offense will take a notch up most clearly and that usage just becomes that much better because it's in a good offense so Connor is someone you should never feel hesitant to start as long as Edmonds is out because he's getting just this really good usage. And, you know, Benjamin, 31.8% of the ops, 3.4% target share. He's, he's just a jag. He's kind of just going to take some snaps away and he's not going to eat you up in the receiving game. He's not going to take a ton of, ton of snaps or carries away from James Connor. So James Connor is someone that we're looking at where he's just someone who you can plug and play in as long as, chase edmonds is out of the lineup
0: yeah i'm checking i was gonna check but i believe you know benjamin yeah a lot of his work just came at the very end of the game when it was over but he barely had any work at all so splits like he had um like six carries and three of them came when the game was pretty much over and it was a, like an over 95 percent chance that they were gonna lose so he's really not much and i'm still loving connor but while edmonds is out for christian kirk uh, looking at key trade cut, there's some wide receivers in this range that I would definitely take Kirk over, like Robert Woods. He'll be um, over the offseason. Uh, Christian Kirk is going to be a 24, 25 year old entering free agency, most likely, uh, coming off of a really good season. And Robert Woods will be a 29 year old uh, with an ACL tear who probably won't be very productive until. Uh, 2023. In 2022, he'll be back, but I don't think he'll be as productive as he uh, is uh, before the injury. So that's a trade that I would definitely do. Um, Corey Davis, who on season doesn't have anywhere near the target share that we liked him for in Tennessee, but um, the offense is struggling in New York. The Corey Davis is struggling in New York. So if you can do that trade and get Kirk or Corey Davis, that's um, something that I wouldn't be totally against. There's options there. He's still cheap. The next game, the uh, Vikings against the Chargers. Uh, Justin Jefferson is tied for Dynasty wide receiver one with Jamar Chase. I keep flip-flopping between them. They're both fantastic. Kirk Cousins is a cheap QB1, uh, cheap low QB1. Right now he is, and last season he was. It's an efficient offense with two stud. Um, stud wide receivers. Thielen's obviously hitting an age curve almost. He'll, he'll probably hit an age curve within the next couple of seasons. But Kirk Cousins will still be productive at worst a, a QB two. Conklin's technically a tight end one, but it's it's not much. When Irv Smith Jr. comes back, I believe I think Conklin's value is going to fall a lot. But Conklin's season right now is actually more productive than any season of Irv Smith Jr.'s career. So. Kind of like what we uh, what we saw last year with Schultz and Jarwin, where people were just putting Jarwin locked back into the starting role when he comes back. Maybe we don't see that. Maybe we see Conklin do that. Something to monitor for the future if you ever need a cheap tight end dart throw.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. And I was actually just looking at Kirk Cousins because I wanted to make the point, but he is QB 10 in points per game on the year, and that's kind of the upside that we're seeing because – I just want to give appreciation to Kirk Cousins, who's got a 90 uh, PFF pass grade, which is the best of his career. And not just the best of his career, but it's the best so far of 2021. He has put up the number one out of all 36 quarterbacks. He has the highest PFF pass grade on the season. So this is basically what you see where you have a pocket passer who doesn't rush much. This is kind of the upside that you see with him, um, unless they have just – extreme uh high passing volume this is pretty much what you'll see you see a QB10 like fringe QB1 is basically going back to Mac Jones if he's going to be a Kirk Cousins like the high end of Mac Jones is like a low QB uh QB1 low end QB1 so appreciation at the same time for Kirk Cousins who is passing the best of his career but also just kind of perspective on what high upside looks like for a really, really good pocket passer because what Kirk Cousins is doing is actually really, really good. Looking at the Chargers here, Herbert, 61.9 PFF pass grade, 2.6% uh, big-time throw and 2.4% turnover-worthy play. is something you don't want to see in Week 10. Um, Herbert's had his struggles as of late, but we know he's a good quarterback. He's been ascending uh above his rookie year. It was just one of those weeks and kind of uh as of late he's he's had some struggles, but for these to be a struggles or something that we like because they're they're really not that bad, especially when you have a guy like Keenan Allen who you have and you pepper him with 33.3% of the targets in that week, uh, 27% on the season. So when you could pepper such a guy like Keenan Allen with targets in your bad games and that many targets, you're still going to be successful. So even though they lost, it was barely a loss, but it just Herbert is someone who can be successful even in his down weeks, which is basically exactly what you want to see because every single quarterback, and we're going to hit on one where we have to really good quarterbacks who just played terribly in just a couple of games. But yeah, this is the stuff you want to see from a really good quarterback is yes, they're gonna have those bad games, but when your bad games can be this, we're gonna live with it because variance. That's why. Yeah. And then just it on one more piece for the, the chargers. Eckler, 73.9% ops, 18.2% of the targets. Just great. That's all around fantastic usage for a running back. And that's not even that far off from what is season. It's 68.2% of the ops on the season, 14.8% of the targets on the season. I mean, that's just a good game from Eckler and just usage that, honestly, we'll probably see again this year.
0: Yeah. the uh, People at the beginning of the year who said that Eckler can't handle a workload are certainly eating some crow right now, which is great to see. It's the same thing. I remember uh, over the off season having a discussion with someone, and they said uh, – That Swift could be like Eckler, and that he's not seeing—you know—it won't see a lot of rushes. But then Swift sees a lot of rushes, and Eckler sees a lot of rushes. I think uh, people need to remember these guys are running backs. Their job is to run the ball. Sometimes they're also good at pass catching, but these guys got their jobs as running backs because they're good at running a football.
1: Yeah, uh, actually, just one more note that I have on the Chargers here. This this one's more so funny to me, but my point was that. Mike Williams hasn't had an ADOT below thirteen since week three, and that's kind of who he's been his entire career. He's a yep. super high ADOT player, and then this week he puts up a one point six ADOT. Like, yeah, I, I like, mean, 200. it doesn't mean anything, and it'll never happen again, probably. But it's just it's funny to talk about and look at because that's that is the opposite of the point I was making.
0: You should uh, tweet about that and say that they turned Mike Williams into LaVisca <laughs> Yeah,
1: they turned him into uh Moore. Yes, yes, even closer. They turned him into a running back after he had too high of
0: an dot. How many targets did he have? Like three or something? And it was just five? Uh, by three, 1.66?
1: No, that game, he still had a 20% target share, which I should probably look how many times they threw that game. Yeah, uh, they threw only 34 times a game, which is low for their season. But he still saw 18.2% of the targets.
0: so Which is like six, right?
1: Uh, Well, I have it hidden, but yeah, it's six. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's hilarious, though. So he was just used as a running back. I don't know why you'd use your six for, what, what 220? around yeah, threat. really like?
1: good downfield threat. I mean, that's obviously why they've used him there exactly. for so many years, because he's really good. It's just not good for fantasy. But then right. they just turned him into a running back last week.
0: I looked at uh herbert's passing chart and it's really just only on the inside and close to the line of scrimmage passing so that's really favorable to keenan allen and austin Eckler, and sometimes mike williams if they want to use him as rondale more but <laughs> yeah then next game the philadelphia eagles against the denver broncos hurts had a good game uh season long his pff passing grade is 14th so He's looking like he's developing well throughout the season. know, uh, maybe we'll start eating Crow, but he's doing well. I'm starting to shift my take to he'll be probably be replaced. To maybe he's replaced, but maybe not. These QBs in the upcoming 2022 class certainly don't look like anything overly special. There's no Burrow-like prospects. There's no Trevor Lawrence-like prospects. Nothing like that. So there's no like slam dunks for the Eagles to replace him. And maybe there's some more um, upside going forward. Maybe even other season at worst of high QB1 production for not QB1 prices. But maybe we can adjust going forward, but maybe other people are just before us because a lot of people, their priors on Hurts were that he was a good QB who needed time. Whereas our take was that he wasn't very good as a rookie and he was a second rounder. So maybe don't give him as much leash as other people are giving him. For the running backs, Scott and Howard had similar opportunity share, but Gainwell, ran the most routes. It's really just fall to the end zone if you're one of the running backs who's not uh, the receiving back, and then Gainwell's the receiving back. Not helpful for fantasy, but Miles Sanders should be back after this week, which is good. Sanders, his price has fallen to like RB31 on Keith cut. For as much as we like Leonard Fournette for having a really low price for a locked-in pretty much workhorse, Miles Sanders is still on his rookie contract and going to be a starter, and people are just treating him like he isn't a starter. He's below guys that don't have as much upside and guys who might not even be started next year. So Miles Sanders is a cheap, sneaky buy, but I'll never buy him when I could just buy Leonard for for the same price. Um, Goddard in concussion protocol. If he misses time, it benefits Quez Watkins who saw 27% target share and I'd stash Tyree Jackson, a former QB turned tight end who they, Seem to like. They say they like him. So maybe take a stash in some really, really deep leagues for reference. He was on waivers at the beginning of the year in my thirty-two team dynasty league. So I wouldn't drop anyone for him. But if you have space and you want uh, a stash with upside, then maybe Tyree Jackson.
1: Yeah, and I just want to hit on your Hertz point one more time because you're definitely right. Like that was- that was what we expected or not expected but that was our analysis on hurts heading into the season but now it's kind of i've not so turned the page but become more open to it because as it's been said by a lot of analysts including like ian report and adam schefter when they're lining up like how the off season's going and how it's going to look next year the quarterback position is going to be pretty thin Um, at least from the reports and I mean for the talent there is now and the talent that's coming into the league the quarterback position as a whole is going to be pretty thin so yes Jalen Hurts was a second rounder the thing is I think he's shown enough which we already know he's good for fantasy he has 9.6 rush attempts on the season which is a crazy volume that you want from any fantasy quarterback I mean even 14 rush attempts last week is crazy you want that from any running back but we, we kind of want to dig into like his passing because that's what, that's what NFL executives care a little bit more about is how you are as a quarterback as a whole, more so passing than running. And he has that second round draft capital tag on him, but with a shortage, not so a shortage, but a limited, limited good quarterbacks to be in position next year starting positions. I, I don't think it's out of the question that Hurts is going to be a starting quarterback next year. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but his 76.4 PFF uh, passing grade in his second season is 14 of 36 quarterbacks. So that's not even bad. And then when you look at it, he's 6% big time throws on the whole season and 2.9% turnover worthy play. So he's throwing a big time throw at twice as much as he has a turnover worthy play, which is another thing that you like to see. So, yeah, he didn't get the draft capital. He's not the best prospect, and he's he isn't projected to be the best passer. But he's passing not not so adequately, but slightly above adequately. He's making big plays, and he's effective on the ground as well. Which even in real football does help if you're just an adequate adequate plus passer. Those rush attempts and being better on the on the ground and picking up those first downs are going to help. So. Right now, I'm thinking that Jalen Hurts is likely going to be a quarterback, starting quarterback next year. And on KTC, seeing his price tag at QB14, I think that's really fair. It's hard to say he's a buy or sell, but I'm definitely turning on where I was at Jalen Hurts at the beginning of the season, if that's fair. What say you?
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. I think there's definite upside. This is the cheapest um, QB1 upside that you'll find uh, right now, I believe. But uh, if you, I don't want to sell that kind of upside for any other QB, but uh, I'd say I'm moving towards the same conclusion of Hurts probably ending up as a starter in 2022. I think even if it's like, it's probably for the Eagles, if not uh, if, if, it, if he is a starter, but there's always a chance if they want to bring in a veteran quarterback and not draft one. I don't know why they would, since they have a bunch of draft capital to build around their young quarterback. But if they really want to do that, then Hurts could easily start somewhere else. Because if there's uh, there's there can only be thirty two starting QBS in the league, and I think Hurts has shown that he can be a top thirty two quarterback in the league.
1: Yeah, and it's pretty an opportunity. Yeah, and I think we have kind of the same opinion on that—that that he hasn't been that bad of a passer, and that his mm-hmm. fantasy upside is just QB one, like actually QB one. So
0: exactly. I, at the beginning of the season, I compared this to like Gardner Minshew from a performance standpoint he was probably a top 32 qb in the league from what we've seen from him but he wasn't going to get an opportunity because he was a late drafted guy that the organization didn't have ties to and the second they had a chance to bring in trevor lawrence they did and they didn't look back but hurts is probably going to get more chances than that because he's looked he's probably better and he had higher draft capital like obviously second and six neither of our first draft first round draft capital but second's definitely better than six rounds
1: yeah and it's perfectly hit on philadelphia for a while because there's not that much to say about denver just because it's kind of looked like it has been for most of the season especially with judy back except for sutton who this last week 8.8 percent target share 0.81 yards per team pass attempt it's just kind of really puzzling to see because we've seen him be really good this year mm-hmm. and this this is definitely something where you're 100 percent not selling Cortland Sutton. We've seen him, we've seen him have a stretch, not just a stretch, but we have reasons and we have past production to believe that he's a pretty good wide receiver who can stack 20 plus percent target share because he's done it. He did it when Judy's out. So Judy did not take over Sutton this much Sutton. Going to where Sutton's gonna be a below 10% target share or hover around 10% target share. Sutton will be at a 20 plus percent target share by the end of the year. We haven't real. I haven't seen his uh, value drop on Keep Trade Cut, and even if it does, he's still someone I'm holding. And if it drops a little bit more, he's someone that I'm buying because he's a really good wide receiver. His profile tells us so. His production in the past, his production this year, has told us that he's a good running or a good wide receiver. So, Judy's doing really well. Vance still being Vance. So. Just don't freak out over sudden. It's some weird weeks, and we can chalk it up to weird weeks because usually when there's weird weeks, you get who that player has been, and it'll keep being, like, who that player has been Unlike weird weeks. They're weird because they're outliers, so yeah. don't freak typical, out over Corlin's sudden.
0: Typical variance, right? His price has fallen on Keep Your Cut, I think. It's just, like, over the past 30 days, he's fallen, like, 25 spots, so... I definitely think that there's some reason – there's a reasonable buy angle. Like, I don't know. So there's, his price has fallen where I don't think he suddenly become bad at football and the fact that he is a free agent after the year. So if you really think it's Judy uh, or Tim Patrick who are killing his target uh, earning abilities right now, which it isn't because he suddenly didn't become bad at football. But if you really think that he is a free agent after the year, so you could say, okay – uh, he's gonna pr- maybe goes to a different team and is an alpha there. If he's not gonna be an alpha on Den- Denver, which he could still be because it's only been a couple weeks with Judy back, and there's no reason to overreact to a couple weeks. So yeah, I, I, I really
1: hope that Tim Patrick isn't the reason you're freaking out or worried that he's taking over those targets. Like, yeah, Judy, I can get the side of because Judy's been good, but Tim Patrick is someone who Sutton has in the past continually outproduced. So. It's not that Tim Patrick suddenly, all of a sudden, especially this year, he's outproduced Tim Patrick. So it's not that Tim Patrick all of a sudden just got that much better and sudden got that much worse just in the return of Jerry Judy. So sudden, you're either holding or buying, but don't sell. And then just one more point on the Broncos. Not weird to see Melvin Gordon, 52% of the Ops, 11.8% of the targets. Williams, 44% of the Ops, 8.8% of the targets. That's basically, it's been a 50-50 split. They kind of share who gets a little bit more of the receiving work, although they'll both get it. And that's likely what we'll see for the rest of the season. So, yes, Javante's peripherals, advanced metrics, really good. He deserves a top 10 uh, RB in Dynasty because his prospect, he's really good. His peripherals is in advanced metrics, is in juke great, as in missed tackles are really good. But the thing is, just because they're that good doesn't mean the rest of the season they're just going to stop using Melvin Gordon. We've seen for 10 weeks now that it's pretty much a dead-even split. We should expect that the rest of the season. We can hope for something else, but don't just expect. Because of how good Javante Williams has been in those peripherals, don't just
0: expect a change. Right, next season. Now we're talking. But yeah. no, no Javante is also running more routes than Gordon Cordova the last couple of weeks, which is the reason uh, that I, I like that he's being used more like a receiver, which is terrific for his upside. Just a, a little note, the, onto the Seahawks game. Um, Russ obviously played very poorly in his first game back from his uh, finger injury, but it's only one game, and obviously everyone knows he's coming back from the injury, so no one's panicking. Uh, Lockett and DK still had eight, eight targets each. Russ will get better next week, chalk this whole game up to a weird outlier. Collins had a 69% opportunity share. He's an RB3 as long as Carson's out. Carson could be back as soon as next week. He could miss the rest of the season. I've uh, seen uh, uh, physical therapists or doctors on uh, Twitter talk about how the situation is volatile and his his neck condition is possibly arthritic, which means he very well could be up for the rest of the season. If he tweaks it wrong or something flares up, that's definitely within the range of outcomes. So. If you're in a relatively deep redraft league, don't I'd consider holding on to Collins just in case something happens because it's possible. Everett had a 21% target share. Something interesting. Uh, maybe there's a opportunity for you to stash him in a deeper league. It's on the season. Uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett have a 26% target share and a 27% target share. I'd say that with Russell Wilson back and hopefully playing well after this week, where he didn't play well. Oh, they go back to what we saw last year, where they're both low wide receiver ones.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. It was kind of surprising to see that Lockett now is a slightly higher target share on the year than Metcalf, which I think happened last week, but I didn't really notice. But 27% to Metcalf's 26.2%. It's still a super funneled offense, and we like them both. They're both basically being treated as alphas this season because it's such funneled offense. But yeah, Russell Wilson... 29.3 29.3 pff pass grade i just put rusty lol like i didn't take the time to look through his entire career to see if that was the worst game of his entire career but i think there's a really good chance that that was probably the worst game of his entire career so
0: mm-hmm. russell uh, wilson hey, still russell wilson dwayne eskridge i maybe it's d eskridge now i think he said he wanted to be called d in his first game back he only ran four routes and had uh, like two targets so something to monitor for him he missed like the first half of the season it was his first game back maybe it was maybe it was. yes name? yeah
1: it was his first game activated he got activated for okay, yeah. us he
0: missed the first half of the season with a concussion injury which is which sucks to see because to miss that much time with a concussion really sucks because if he gets another concussion or something he might very well be out of the league or something there's a low floor for him um as a prospect he was okay he was an old rookie but he was still relatively productive in college he missed a season but uh, to have that concussion and coming back, hopefully we see more from him in the next couple weeks. But if you, if we don't see anything from him uh, for like the rest of the season or anything, it's more, hopefully more two wide receiver sets, which just means a more funneled offense for DK and Lockett.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then just to look over the other side of the ball, Green Bay, the team that didn't get shut out, um, Aaron Rodgers also wasn't, wasn't good 44.5 pff pass grade basically just shows he's a little rusty after he's not with the team for a bit week one he had a 44 which is his worst of the season and then this one was the second worst so we should expect Rodgers to bounce back the same way he did bounce back after week one but then looking at uh adams just because we already know how insanely good he is and if you're a contender you should buy pretty much for his value, his market value price, like wide receiver seven, I believe on keep trade cut. Like you should buy him for that as a contender because he's just that good. And he has a weekly floor that is insanely high. But this week, 31.4% target share, 2.11 yards per team pass attempt. And then we, like I've talked about how there's been a few players like Myers or Pittman, it's like 10% higher target share than the next person on their team. How about 20% more if you're Devontae Adams? On the season, nineteen point eight percent more than the next closest of Aaron Jones. He has a thirty-four point six percent target share in the year. The next closest, Aaron Jones, fourteen point eight percent. That's that's crazy. So a oh, running back, yeah, wow, yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, then just to hit on the running backs for Green Bay, it looks like Aaron Jones, what we just talked about, is out one to two weeks. Um, I do see his keep-to-cut value crater a little bit, which I really hope it's not because of a one- to two-week injury because that would be insane. But for someone like Dylan, uh, he's someone that will start because it is a good offense with Aaron Rodgers in it, and he does see a healthy amount of the ops. I mean, he saw 63.9% of the ops that game with uh, Aaron Jones going down. The only problem that we have or that I have is that, his overall ceiling isn't too high because he's not someone that's caught passes. Even this game, when he had such a high opportunity share, about double what his season uh, average is, he saw 5.7% of the targets, which is just what he sees on the season. So I do think that'll take up a little bit if he is to become the 1A for one to two weeks. But again, that that's a pretty low target share for a running back that we – we want to see more from, especially if we're just going to plug and play him as a high-end RB1. That's just not who he is because he doesn't catch that
0: passes. Yeah, I do think he has a little bit of receiving upside. He's, I don't think he's uh, – I guess I can't say Derrick Henry anymore because Derrick Henry became a receiver this season. But I guess that just shows that anyone can be used as a receiver if the team wants them to. And uh, Dylan has a couple games where he's seen like four targets or something, which is encouraging because at Boston College he was – really never used as a receiver that much. And for the Packers, he is more because they have a system where the RB is the uh, second best receiver on their team. So if D- Dylan is obviously no Aaron Jones in the receiving game because Jones catches passes like a, a wide receiver, and uh, but Dylan can be used as a receiver. It's really just catching a check down sometimes. So it's a matter of whether the team wants to use him like that, and I think they will because he has games this season where they have been using him. Uh, like that, uh, as a receiver. Yeah. Uh, next game, the Chiefs against the Raiders. Uh, it feels good to be back to saying nothing about the Chiefs except for how good they are. Mahomes is back. Uh, Kelsey, Tyreek elite. It's it's that easy. Also, uh, Miko Hardman was fourth among wide receivers in route participation, so, and he was had less routes than Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle. I don't know if he got hurt or something. If he did, ignore everything I'm saying. But if he didn't get hurt then and this he was fully healthy the entire game, then maybe he's getting overtaken or sh- shoved out of the offense. Or not shoved out, eased out of the offense. Or maybe this is one outlier game. But Nico Harmon is a guy with such a low floor because I don't think he's a good player at all. And uh, Daryl Williams had nine targets, nine targets, which is higher than any that uh, Clyde Edwards has seen in any game of his career. Um, Hopefully, Clyde is allowed. cease does can do something like that when, Clyde, when he's is back. I don't think that Ceh is the backup now, like some people are saying on Twitter. But um, hopefully, we see more receiving usage from him than we saw in the beginning of the season because that really just kills floor and upside when you don't have that receiving usage. Even though, even if you are a decent rusher, I think people hate on Clyde as a rusher a bit too much when he's a okay rusher. He's pretty good.
1: Yeah. Um... Clyde Edwards-Alaire is someone who's not going to come back and be the backup. Like, the Chiefs would literally be saying, I'm stupid if they went in and they put the guy who they spent first-round draft capital on and just made him a uh, backup after they just filled some guys in because he was hurt. Now, obviously, Darrell Williams did really well in his return, and he kind of hit an upside that we haven't seen from Clyde Edwards-Alaire, especially in the past game last week, like an 18% target share or 18.8% target share. Like, that's something we'd love to see from Clyde Edwards Alaire. But he's going to be the starter. He's not going to come back in. And at the beginning of the season, we saw before he got hurt, he had like 5.6% target share. We're now seeing the Chiefs offense start to get in a little bit more of a rhythm and be more of themselves, at least last week, to where you shouldn't worry about that. I think Clyde Edwards Alaire, someone who saw a 10% target share as a rookie, is not going to be the guy who went hurt and. When, when he went down, had a 5% target share, which clearly limits how good he was going to be fantasy-wise. Now, it's weird to see Williams like this because we didn't see Clyde like this in rookie year, and before he went down, we didn't see him uh, reach the upside. But, yeah, he's someone who's going to come in. He's not going to be the backup. He's going to eat probably 60% of the ops, and hopefully, we're hoping for like 10-plus percent target share And games like this is something we absolutely hope for with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, so... He's not going to come in and be the backup. But looking at Las Vegas, uh, Brian Edwards, 11.8% target share in Week 10, which is funny because he was supposed to be the alpha when Henry Ruggs disappeared. Um, and that's really close to his 11.4% on the season. So it's almost like it didn't even matter for Edwards. I mean, I even saw some tweets that, all right, if if Edwards steps up this game or if, like, it's it's step-up time, he show that he's the alpha – if you've never been the alpha, you can't just have one game where you show you the alpha, and then when you do the same thing you've done your entire season, you're not the alpha. So Brian Edwards, especially at value, like we we kind of hit on, like with Nicole Hardman and stuff, where they have this this delusional ceiling because of some random piece. Like for Edwards, it's that he was hurt last year and that he was one of the lowest. He had 100 percentile breakout age using PFF profiler or – pff player profilers criteria for breakout age that's part of the reason why people have this delusional upside with edwards so guys just sell them if you're listening to this you can sell them for a receiver who's better and will be productive more the rest of his career than brian edwards like just like you're on that value there's a lot more that you can get with brian edwards that'll produce a lot more than brian edwards but that's enough about him Uh, The tight ends, Darren Waller, or not tight ends, but the tight end, Darren Waller. He's been disappointing to some, but he still ranks first in target share amongst all tight ends in the league at 23.7%. He's fifth in yards per team pass attempt, 1.58. In keep trade, he fell to tight end six, which he's been like tight end two, tight end three for most of the year. So he's someone, just quick see if someone in your league is treating him as just a huge disappointment and see if you can buy him at bottom end, tight end one prices because Darren Waller really rest of season, There's like if Darren Waller finishes second or first amongst tight ends rest of season, I will not
0: be surprised in the slightest. Yeah, definitely. Him and George Kittle have fallen. It's it's ageism. They've fallen behind Andrews and Hawkinson when they're better. They're older, but they are definitely better. I think they have a better shot. Both of them have better shots at providing you with elite tight end production. Like, Andrews and Hawkinson can give you, like, 12 to 14. That's what they I'm pretty sure they are giving you 12 to 14 points per game. But if you want to shoot for more upside at tight end and really want to win your tight end uh, position against your opponents, then that's the kind of players that you should be attacking for cheaper. No, I agree with that. Looking at the Rams with their first game without Woods, uh, the Rams' offense struggled. Losing a player like that will always hurt your offense because uh, he's a good like run blocker too, right? But this offense should get back on track because they're a good offense. They have a good line, they have a good weapons, they have a good quarterback. It's good running backs. Like they have everything they need to be a good offense. They'll adapt to missing Woods. Um, Cup stayed Cooper Cup with a thirty one percent target share. Van Jefferson was the second receiver because OBJ was still getting up to speed. He had a 17% target share. OBJ played, what, 15 snaps, got three targets. There's some discourse about him being who ruined the Rams, which is absolutely ridiculous. I don't think we have to talk about it because hopefully, if you're uh, listening to this, then you also follow us. And so you know that the takes against OBJ, uh, him being toxic and everything, is absolutely ridiculous you can still buy him for similar prices that he was going for before he joined the Rams. And I think he'll end up as their wide receiver too for the rest of the season. Once he gets up to speed, um, Daryl Henderson left the game to be evaluated for concussion, but he still had a 65% opportunity share and he's still the workhorse guy. When the offense returns to form, and henderson remains the workhorse then he's still one of the cheaper workhorses that you can get i would still prefer the the cheap workhorse of leonard fournette to him but as as far as cheap workhorses go it's hard to find uh ones cheaper than henderson at least for the rest of the season because acres probably won't be back until maybe he comes back to the playoffs and makes a miraculous recovery but probably will be back next season
1: yeah, if you're a contender in Dynasty, I think Henderson, who's on a good offense and sees basically a bell cut role, is someone you should buy because in Dynasty, it'll be valued cheaper because of the unknown. And you're, like, if you're a top contender, buy Leonard Fournette and buy uh, Henderson because both those guys are on good offenses and they see a ton of the usage, which is what we stress all the time. So if you're a very, very top contender, just buy
0: both, honestly. And Cordero Patterson, all of them, all yeah. the rest of the season RB1s that you can get for cheap.
1: If you can get all three of those, I mean, you are making out fine. Like, you have a really good chance. If you didn't, which you should already if you're buying them, but you are just a great chance. You just got to
0: fortify. In the running back position, you need uh, good depth because these injuries can just kill your team. Like, if you have, um, like, I uh, like a guy like Saquon or something. And you miss him for the last five weeks, uh, and he's your—he's uh, one of your better RBs, and you have no depth behind him. It's gonna—it's ch- gonna kill your chance of getting like a crucial buy to uh, for your playoffs or something like that. So RB depth is important, and when you can get depth pieces like this who also have upside on their own, it's something that you got to take advantage of.
1: Yeah, and these are the cheapest bell casts that you can get on the
0: market. James least... Connor, James Connor, another yep. one. We're
1: just with, rattling with, Yeah, Yeah. I mean, we've hit, basically, if you're a contender and you're listening to this, like, start sending out offers, because we've told you every cheap bell cow that there is in the league. Yeah. Gotta just, just hit on San Francisco to finish finish off the podcast. It was, which is actually something we expected at the beginning of the season. We saw a funneled passing offense between George Kittle Debo, Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk. I mean, we had the weird stretch of Brandon Ayuk, but what he did his rookie season is prolific enough to believe in the talent, and now we're kind of finally seeing it into fruition. Yeah, he's still the third guy in the pecking order behind Debo and Kittle, but it's a funneled offense to where he's going to be someone who sees a 20-plus percent target share the rest of the season. So Brandon Ayuk, if he's super cheap, you should buy him, and especially – in an offense where it's so funneled. He's someone you shouldn't worry about too much about Kittle and Samuel just taking over everything that he is because it's not what happened. He just – weird things is what happened.
0: Yeah, definitely. His price is still low. It's still like uh, around – it's still um, wide receiver 32, which is something I'm fine with because he – if he's a third option in a a concentrated passing offense, sure, sometimes they – employ a more run heavy approach and by run heavy i mean running it over 40 times a game and passing less than 20 times a game but that was just one game last night Uh most of the time they're hopefully they're more neutral but he can still be a productive wide receiver two or three
1: yeah and he will be especially with how prolific of a rookie year he has i know right drew hits on it all the time because he had a historic rookie season so just buy talent because it's it's another situation like we're talking about where it's talent is that much better than the situation
0: exactly exactly I'm with, I'm with that yeah i love to see all three of them be productive because when you have good players you end up with like when you have a lot of good players you end up with concentrated passing offense it's like um it's like the ravens too now everyone was saying bateman can't come in because hollywood and andrews are already productive and then bateman comes in and he's productive too and he's very
1: productive yeah Basically, uh, you should write off those narratives if you're drafting, like, rookies, too, because then you hear the thing with Bateman Otts, low-passing offense, and they already have a couple weapons. It's not going to be anything. Yeah, except for the talent is that good, that he's going to earn
0: the talent. I remember how um, before the draft, everyone had Bateman, like, as their wide receiver, too, and then after, they're like, nope, I'm pushing him below some wide receivers, and I'm also pushing him below Trey Sermon. <laughs> yes. Because I look at landing spot. No, don't yes.
1: do that. Don't do that because do then you end up with Rashad Bateman who's wide receiver in 19 on keep trade cut, I believe, falling into the second round of Superflex drafts.
0: Yeah, And you end up drafting uh, Trey Sermon over him who because I you scroll a lot to find him on keep trade cut. Yeah, he's kind of disappearing off the website. That's a shocker. It's almost like he wasn't a good prospect. Huh. Oh, it's odd. almost like you bought into situation over talent. Hmm. It's almost like he's Joe Williams. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a, that'll probably wrap it up for the R squared fantasy football podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I like this episode. It felt felt a lot more loose and fun. Oh yeah. It'll go a little, a little bit longer. So if you enjoy listening to our voices for an extra like 30 minutes, thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. Yeah. Bye.